Welcome everyone to another episode of the podcast, The Attacking Two. I'm your host, Jimmy Funnel, and I'm joined by both fellow host Andy Martin and today also by our lovely guest Yannick from the Yannick on Chelsea podcast, as we will be discussing and analysing Chelsea's game against Tottenham on, at the weekend. And we'll be also having a brief chat about Kante in midfield situation, as well as the future of Andreas Christensen at centre-back. So, without further ado, you know the question. Are you listening? Damn. Uh. Yeah. Uh. Right. Well, first of all, Yannick, thanks for coming on. It's lovely to have you. It's an absolute pleasure, Jimmy. Thanks for having me on, gents. I'm uh, looking forward to the show, mate. As are we. We're, 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 I mean, it's it's been a bit of a <clears throat> average weekend for a Chelsea fan, but nevertheless... <laughs> We're excited to be talking about what the future may hold after our first, well, loss of the season. Um, Yannick, what, what were your first thoughts after full time? OK, well, I, um, I watched it with my brother-in-law, who's actually a big Chelsea fan as well. So it was difficult to be purely objective and analytical at the uh, final whistle because there was a sort of room of a Chelsea fan, sombre aura. but. Um, yeah, there's a, there's a few points to take away from the game. Um, I've been speaking to a few Chelsea fans and the general consensus was that there was a, a bad result coming. If you looked at the previous games, um, it was a bad time to... Well, actually, on first uh, look at it, I thought, well, there are, Spurs had a few injuries and I think their players probably played more time in the international break. They might have been a bit more tired. Certainly their recent results, they'd been sort of scraping away 1-0 wins. And it was difficult not to think back to the Marcus Alonso goals at Wembley last season. So there was a part of the optimist in me that that figured. Actually, uh, on my podcast, I did a score prediction of 3-1 to Chelsea, which uh, came back and bit me a little bit. But um, ultimately, I mean, I'm sure we'll get into the sort of game a little bit more. But to answer your question, feelings at full-time whistle... It was kind of, I felt like it was coming. I'm sure you chaps would agree Chelsea have been incredibly lucky at certain points throughout the season, in all competitions actually, in terms of uh, opposition missing sitters and just generally how games have have kind of sort of rided out and, you know, the fixtures we've had. So looking at the, the previous few games, we had a bad result coming and there was just certain it's really the nature of the defeat that stung the most. And of course the opponent, especially you know, yeah. that, that little bugger Deli Ali scoring his uh, replica identical goal. He seems to score against us every single time <laughs> with that glancing header. But I think we can take positives in, in the sense of it happened at a good time in the season prior to January. And it might be the sort of wake up call. We need shades of Antonio Conte losing three nil to Arsenal last season so that's the kind of like uh, initial immediate thoughts after the uh, game Jimmy mm. Mm. yeah I, I see it's kind of like similar because I think it's it's actually a good thing if not the only good thing about this defeat that once and for all this whole thing about the unbeaten streak is, is off the cards now and we can carry on and actually got shown by a very good team one has to be honest um, where our weaknesses are and what we have to uh, improve on. Uh, of course, um, I think it's 
one of the worst things ever to lose away to Tottenham. The manner in which we lost is also concerning to me. I think if there was one thing I, I, I have to point out that was good at the, on that day, it, it could only be Kepa. I think everyone else, a part of him, yeah. was was just atrocious. There was yeah. no, even Hazard. I can't even I can't even defend him over his performance. I mean, he tried, but nothing seemed to come off. And yeah, at the end of the day, I, I think it's it's a good wake up call. It's not the wake up call everyone kind of buys into on Twitter, comes up with uh, runs yeah. against players like like your Kante's, which we will go into. Sure. Um, I, I think that's that's too far-fetched. But at the same time, we have we have our issues and we have to, to work on certain things. And I said it even, I think, two weeks back or one week back, um, that with Chelsea and with Sarri, it, it seems a bit like we have been found out and this comes very early because... Mm. Uh, it, it seems like we have one root football, and if you take Jorginho out of the play, we look kind of a bit clueless. And it's again, it, it's happened again, and teams have tried it, but these were teams like, like Crystal Palace, and Crystal yeah. Palace could only do it for a half. Tottenham can do it on the whole game, and whole, that's yeah, what happens. Yeah. Um, well, just yeah. sorry, sorry, Jimmy, just to quickly pick up on what Andy's saying, um, just just while it's fresh from what from him describing that, I I, I did cite this in my pod about. Sarri's um, potential inability to uh, to adapt for certain teams. I feel like an example of what his approach would be would be Pep Guardiola with his City side, where Plan A and his systematic approach is so good that he doesn't need to compromise. Whereas Sarri, I think, I ideally wants to play a similar way of football, but unfortunately, that's not a freedom that's afforded to us due to the perhaps squad and obviously uh, where we are in our development and uh, in this sorry style and stuff. So there needs to be some form of sort of compromise. And I'm, I don't know if you guys want to talk about players or not, but I do believe it's a sort of systematic approach. But that game did highlight a sort of gutless performance, which is, you know, there's this sort of, I think, Poch very much had an incredible performance in terms of a managerial approach a systematic approach to that game his tactics were spot on and that's ultimately what did us and Sarri didn't have an answer for that which is fine his project at Chelsea so much in his infancy it's impossible to critique him at the moment too much but more than that as Chelsea fans and you know what you expect from Chelsea players of old and maybe not too long ago is a little bit more of a performance against Spurs. You know, you'd at least hope they'd be seriously hurting after a loss to Spurs. What what, what you said uh, initially, uh, were, well, where you compared this loss possibly with the uh, loss two years ago to Arsenal, which um, more or less initiated this or uh, that run where we then eventually won the title. The thing is, Back then, when we did change that three-four-three, we actually knew there was a plan B. This mm. could be a time where now things change for the better. But the thing is, we don't have a plan B, as you already mentioned uh, with Sari. He doesn't have a backup plan. He's, he doesn't have this option where we could now look to play. I don't know four-two-three-one or whatever. Mm. The, the problem is that this. I, I rate Sari very highly, and I do believe that he will come good overall. But he has to. He really, <laughs> really has to stop relying on these senior players that are not performing. I'm aware yeah. that people come with this 
argument. Yeah, well, all these coaches have seen, for example, now in William, this great player, if they think he's a good player, why should anyone listen to the, you know, these Twitter coaches? I, I understand that and I respect that. But there's a reason why we always end up where we do. And the games speak for themselves, right? Exactly. And this inconsistency, you know, you, you can't rely on, for example, William. And it's the same with David Lewis. I love the bloke. He's an absolute fantastic personality. He's a leader. And I wouldn't want him to leave the club. I have, no. I have to reiterate that. But the thing is, we need someone who doesn't have these lapses in his game. I mean, that second goal, when I saw that, because I wasn't able to watch it live, unfortunately. But when I rewatched the game, I, I was shocked because I tried to uh, see, uh, look at as little as possible on on Twitter before watching the game. But I'd, yeah. I'd heard how catastrophic his, his defensive um, performance. performance was in the, on that goal, and that was that was shocking. I, I was lost for words. Really, I was. It, it was. It was just diabolical and i mean yeah. to be fair it was i don't want to just put it all on him although he did contribute largely also on that third goal because Jorginho also didn't do well oh, the thing is God. calls for 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 four two three one or putting kante to the 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 register position and putting Jorginho a bit up front that won't work you know sorry's not going to do it there's no point discussing about it we know he might try to start another striker so i already said the last two podcasts i really want hazard to go start down the middle and he did yes. have like 20 minutes on that so yeah, i'm yeah. Context- that, that happen yeah so, sorry i didn't mean to interrupt you mate yeah, just uh, to pick up on a couple of things that you've said um with luis it was it it's so weird because he did look like his old, you know, calamity self. But the thing is, he had a few games early doors this season when people were like, oh, masterclass defensive performance from Louise. He exists. Like, I remember watching him do like certain little offside trap lunges, you know, great tackles, great movement, you know, marshalling players. And then, but it's not worth it if he's going to do these, you know, awful mistakes. I don't want to dig him out for the result because that was a collective against Spurs. But um, you're right. I think Sari style, although he likes, he's been backing Luis big time. I feel like Chelsea, you know, Rudiger's become a bit of a cult hero. So I'm not, sh- we'll talk about Christensen, but I do see Chelsea signing an Italian ball playing centre-back, um, yeah. whether it's like a Rugani or whatever. But, um, and, and with, when it comes to a striker, I don't know if you want to get into this a little bit more, but um, oh, just quickly on Jorginho as well. Uh, he lost his head because he, for the first time this season, he didn't have it all his way, um, which obviously as someone who touches the ball so much, suddenly not touching the ball at all, he just lost his shit, oh, if you excuse same me. Same against Everton, though. Yeah, well, that's true. That's true. Uh, and you could argue, Yeah, well, exactly. Or you, himself. You could, you could argue that um, that a change should have been made then as well. I feel like, um, you know, the argument is that Kante can't play the Regista role in, in his style, and that's fine. But um, in a situation like X amount of time into the Everton game, X amount of time into the Spurs game, this isn't working. Kante drop back and sweep up or go into a 4-2-3-1 or Jorginho. Take Jorginho off, swallow your pride. But um, you say he can't play further forward, but he plays further forward for Italy, and he's like scored a couple of goals, and he makes those forward runs that Kante makes, but he looks a little bit more assured. So, I mean, I, I'm not... I'm, I haven't seen enough to, to really comment on that. But, you know, I would have 
prefer Seth coming on. I know he can't run, but if he's talking about short passes at the end, and he can score, we've seen Seth score goals and stuff. So, um, and then when it comes to striker, yeah, we haven't got a sample. Obviously, Hazard as a false nine under Conte didn't work because of the approach, because there were you know it was long balls exactly. up to a five five foot five Hazard. Mm. whether he likes it or not. I mean, if he could explode like Dries Mertens, his homie from Belgium, then I'm sure he'd be all up for it. But um, we haven't had enough of a sample size yet. I mean, that was a, an absolute shit show, that game. So we can't judge that 15-odd minutes of, of anything. But um, that game was calling out for Giroud to start, if you ask me. Yeah, oh, I, I actually have got a suggestion to make because mm. I think with the whole Regista role and and Jorginho not playing as well in the last two, three games in there, I think... Uh, there's there's one one player who hasn't been spoken about enough, maybe playing there, but he Danny has Drinkwater. recently. <laughs> Not Danny Drinkwater. Oh, right? it's good. I literally <laughs> thought he was going to go for Drinkwater. No, I'm going. I'm I'm going. Funny enough, I'm going for David Lewis because he has played it, and, yes. and and he has a dirty side to the game. And Jorginho hasn't. I mean, the exact the exact scenario, which was I think he played yeah, against the, Spurs. The, he played against Spurs away in midfield in that game next to Bakayoko, didn't he? Yeah, I think. He, and, he, he and we won. Yeah, and I th- think the scenario when when uh, Jorginho got dragged out wide against Son uh, before the the third goal, oh, I think God, yeah. David Lewis, with all the the, the lack of speed he has, uh, and you you match him with with a fast player like Son, and and he's absolutely he's he, he's get teared to shreds every yeah, time. Get roasted, every time. Yeah, roasted. But um, in 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 that particular scenario, I think Lewis would have would have done maybe a tactical foul, and and it wouldn't have come to that goal. But Jorginho mm. is, is a clean player and maybe we need someone if, if it doesn't turn out as good for us and if we can't have the easy route, um, maybe we have to have a player in there who does the defensive job well and does a good old good old bollocking job on, on, on some of yeah. the... Yeah, shithousery. Shit two things yeah. on that. Two things on that. Um, first of all, I about David Lewis, um, I think what one also uh, tends to forget is that Despite his lapses, and he isn't as fast as he used to be, as you just said, Andy. I think what makes a major difference, as well as Marcus Alonso on that left, because they target that left side. They just do. It's been the case for a long time now this season. I mean, I know we've had this unbeaten runs. We should be happy about that. And we we, we played well defensively for the most part. But when a team did target us on that left, for example, the Arsenal game. I mean, I know that was still early. um, But then we got teared to shreds. We really did. And, you know, Son did a magnificent job there. And mm-hmm. if Lewis has to cover more ground, then and because Marcus Alonso is somewhere up the field, then he, he's fucked. You know, then we're fucked. And then yeah. the defense is all over the place. And then that has its effect. Now, the second thing is about... Um, Jorginho, I don't think he has to change how the way he plays. I think he can play that reduced role, continue to do that without a problem. These whole calls for Kante going back, I don't think that's necessary. The problem is that the whole team then, because things aren't going the way they should, they switch off. No one does this hardcore pressing. If you compare that to Napoli last season, for example, they, they can press for nearly 90 minutes the whole game, and they did that. And mm. then that pressure, even if they do target Jorginho, like, for example, Lawrence on, on Twitter said the other day, it doesn't happen then. You just have to find ways around them targeting Jorginho instead of actually getting rid of Jorginho. He's yeah. been essential in that number six, or register role, and 
changing our game just because they targeted this, him is ridiculous. We have mm. to find other ways, and that's up to Sari now to find out yeah. on the on the on the in training. Uh, and you know, we have Fulham next. That should be hopefully a game where you try that. But the problem is the mentality as well in this team, and it's been the case for a long time. Because otherwise, we have, wouldn't have had this yo-yo crap for the last four years. It's we we're playing well. Everything is good. We play badly, and we have been playing badly for the last couple of weeks. Let's be honest. Yeah, agree, you know? yeah. Then, then things just don't go our way, and they lose their heads. And that the problem has to be addressed. And I really do hope that Sari is able to cope with that. He does seem like the man, like with the right sort of calming mentality, with the right ideals in football, like how he wants players to play and enjoy themselves, and you know, not take it too seriously, but. In the right, in contextually, in the right way, obviously take a game seriously. But just to pick up um, on what you said, a couple of things that people are looking at Sari's game and they're like, like, you're right, Napoli's different. They're more versed in Sarismo, so they they did it better. But it is a lopsided system. The left side's more forward and the back, back, right back's tucked in, so the the people do exploit that side. But what you said with, um, you're absolutely right in talking about. If someone's targeting Jorginho, it shouldn't be the be all or end all. You should look, it's, you know, look to advantage mm. that. It's like you people, certain teams say, oh, we can't man Mark Hazard because it leaves us exposed. You know, so if for the first 30 minutes, if they're going to put three men on Jorginho, including Deli Ali, like, you know, right up his ass sort of thing, then say, right, Sorry's got to think people are going to try and do that to Jorginho. So just say, right, if that happens for 20 minutes, chip long diagonals, just. You know, get chalk on Alonso's boots and only do that. And when they start putting their mind elsewhere, I'm going to give you a message or I'm going to tell Rudiger to like say a fucking Oklahoma, the code word. (laughs) (laughs) And then then say, all right, we're going back to Cerismo, short passing, you know, mess with them. Because it literally, it does, uh, maybe it's naive for us to think this, but it does seem like, right, this is how we play our game. This is what Sari ball is. No compromises. We want to be like Man City because. It's it's far too much in its infancy to to try that approach. There needs to be alternatives, and and you know it, this whole debate about Kante. I don't know if you're happy to move on and talk about Kante, or if you want me to hold oh, fire. Or we'll come to that in a, a second. I just okay. want to actually put something out to the both of you and hear your opinion in this, because when okay. I read this, I mean I know that you've already commented on it on my Twitter post today but i have to just address it because it's so absolutely fucking ridiculous that it has to be addressed the sun today published uh, an article (laughs) chelsea fans label kepa worst goalkeeper in prem my initial reaction was what the actual fuck but i'd really really like to hear your opinions because kepa he had a fantastic game i mean we could have lost six seven nil without him and then this shit comes up and there are actually Yeah, I mean, they actually cite Liverpool and United fans here. And this is, I mean, what what, what are your thoughts on that, Andy? They they might have picked up on one or two reactions of of some dickheads after the second goal, because otherwise I can't can't possibly make a good rhyme on that, because I I don't understand how how someone could think that. I mean, the the second goal, well, you could could say he didn't have... He didn't look to his best in in that goal, and he couldn't could have saved that. I mean, it was twenty five yards out, so might have been might have been one to take on the chin for him. But otherwise, it, it could really have been, as you said, uh, six seven goals for us um, on the conceding side. So uh, Kepa has been outstanding for us. I, I have to 
have to say that now. Um, I think he hasn't put um, a massive foot wrong this season. Uh, if you look at at uh, <laughs> at Courtois and what he's up to in at Real Madrid, um, I wouldn't take him back for for 100 million at, at, at this moment. Reference. I think we have had a, a brilliant summer with him. I mean, he, he cost us a fortune and I think most of the people expect him to deliver, but he did exactly that and you can't really expect it from a keeper. What, what is his age? 23, 24? Something, something yeah, like I mean, ridiculous that yeah. he, he goes mm. for that amount of money, jumps into one of the best teams. I mean, he hasn't had pressure at, at Athletic Bilbao. One, one can say that because... Um, more or less, if you don't if you don't decide to step out of this team, you are you're playing till you retired because of their policy. So he didn't have to, to to make that step that early. He did, and he stepped up to the challenge. So I think massive respect to to Kepa. And if if someone is out there, um, if it is the son or, or someone else or, or some dickhead on Twitter say, saying Kepa is the worst keeper in the Premier League, go fuck yourself, honestly. You know what? So, sorry, I don't really jump in prematurely well, well there, Jimmy. Yeah, well said. Here, here, Andy. And to pick up on what you said, um, contextually, yeah, he's a young keeper. He speaks barely any English. He's got an air of confidence about him. He hasn't come from a really high-profile team, a new country. And like you say, he hasn't put a, a, a foot wrong. He's, you know, he's just a... This is a bit of like a, a weird one, but there's um there's a YouTube channel called Football Daily. They've they've they're quite a big channel and they sort of mm. have a, a big um big viewership. They did a video recently of the five best newcomers to the Premier League this season, and he was in the top five. And you know they're all about stats and analytics and Opta and this that and the other. And they gave a big sort of segment on how how brilliant he's been. The Sun has got he's obviously got some some fat little sweaty Arsenal you know guys doing an internship at the paper <laughs> he, uh, <laughs> he googled Kepa out or something on Twitter got some guy who tweeted about it there probably had no likes or retweets and he decided to make a clickbait article um it, it you know it's a nonsense Kepa's been excellent and to reference back the uh the Spurs game look at him did you see his reaction he was set he was he made six or seven saves three of them being excellent uh, you know, uh, excellent re- re- saves, mm. and he was being assaulted. He was being absolutely assaulted, and he and he hasn't been. And he was he was rising up to the plate, and he was he was screaming at his defence. You could see his vein in his like he wasn't just being passive. This is a man with passion who holds himself in a high regard, and he wants to win, and he's know he's been doing well, and he has a lot of respect for himself. And you know, and this is the keeper we want. And he looks like he was absolutely losing his shit at the defence. And he was probably, you know, one of the only players on the pitch that was like, guys, what the fuck is going on? You know, so he was probably our man of the match. I actually think um, on, a, on a quick tangent, I think Kante was actually pretty good considering he was chasing a lot of balls. He made a lot he of recoveries was, yeah. all over the pitch. But um, as I said earlier in my pod, it, it, you know, it's easy to put a shift in when you've just signed a contract for 300k a week. <laughs> but um, but uh, yeah, just to quickly finish my point on Kepa as well. Um, distribution stats. We we've all known. Um, I spoke to um, what's his name? Uh, a guy who hosts the Love Sport. I went on Love Sport Radio and spoke to one of the the ex goalkeeper, Watford goalkeeper Richard Leotics. I've forgotten his name, but anyway, he's a really good sort of reference point for for goalkeepers. And when we signed Kepper before he played for Chelsea, I was talking to him and I said how um, it looks like he's got good distribution and Sarri's going to demand good distribution and uh, Courtois for his, you know. He's a he's a sort of giraffe length 
good shot stopper at times, um, but he's never been good at distribution, and we're we're going to need that. And and Kepa's he's um he's been doing good distribution. He's good at uh, short passing. We've seen him do some good long diagonals. There was that game. I don't know if it was against Everton or the game before when the a ball a, a ball was pass, coming right? in. Yeah, exactly. Mm, the volley pass. He came and delicious. smashed it. Absolutely, and and people were all looking at that. So. He's a great keeper, mate. Uh, I'm, I'm pleased we had a segment on him for us to play homage on him because that, that's, you know, I think if you look at the responses to that Sun Sport article, it's, uh, they'll be quite embarrassed with themselves, I think. Oh, they they don't do embarrass. They, they, <laughs> that's they, true. I think that, that they do not do that, unfortunately. But, you know, be that as it may, you're right. I, I'm also glad that we addressed that because, uh, I mean, that's just preposterous. But coming to... Uh, Something that isn't as nice to talk about uh, from the Tottenham game uh, is our attack. Now, we, we've talked about the defence, we've talked about uh, the midfield, we only briefly addressed uh, our attacking department. The thing is, we need some reinforcements in January. I, I, I'm absolutely 100% sure that this whole war chest crap that we're going to get like three or four players in on January, that, that's that's nonsense. We all know that, you know, it's, it's always the, the, you know, the build up to the January transfer window. There's always going to be that kind of crap, but one player, one player we do need, whoever that may be is in attack because we saw against Tottenham again, they neutralized us. I mean, there was like that one hazard shot in, uh, shot in the second half. That was it. And I, I can't remember anything else. I mean, there was the penalty call. Okay. But you know, people ripping on the ref, yeah, okay, that was a really bad call, but they do it all the time. There's no point just referring yeah, no to that. You know, it's no excuse. We were shit. Mm. So we really, really, really do have to... The, 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 the areas that I need of reinforcements, that is our attack, our right wing. If we do have a right winger that had, you know, a left-footed one, preferably, um, oh, yeah. that would be brilliant. And the striker position, that's the thing. I really like Morata as a person, uh, despite his mental inability to cope with, you know, basic stuff. But this is just not working out. Oliver Giroud isn't a long-term solution. I'm all for trying Bashwai, but I'm pretty sure that won't happen. So we need a new striker. We're not going to get him in January. What are we going to do for the rest of the season, Yannick? Okay, so great great tea up there <laughs> there's a few things i tweeted out earlier this statistic that i'm sure both you chaps have seen uh, in terms of chances created per game this season i don't know if you've seen this but under uh, as expected manchester city are first place for chances created at 14.8 and at an immediate second place is chelsea at 14.3 the next out of the top six is something like liverpool at like fourth at 10 and then the top six are way below so we are creating the same essentially the same amount of chances per game as manchester city on average so digest that for a moment um and that's obviously we're not finishing chances largely because of our striker morata and you know whether it be midfielders or wide forwards um and that that needs to be addressed and what when it comes to Morata, I really wanted it to work. He's a very talented and technical footballer. But I, um, I was chatting on my pod about with, with the guest about how um, we were making parallels and comparisons to Chelsea strikers of old. And um, Diego Costa, people forget 
I mean, maybe they don't forget, but a lot of the time we rem- we always remember the good times. But Costa get wound up, he'd get into fights with defenders every fucking game, he'd get angry at the officials, he'd get angry at the ref, he'd sulk, he'd dive, like he'd do all this sort of stuff. But at the very end of the game, in stoppage time, he'd bully off five players and tuck it in the bottom corner and win us the points. And, you know, that's not the kind of thing Morata does. Morata, if he's having a good day, he might do a nice technical finish or a nice header. But again, another stat that you chaps I imagine have seen is this season Bournemouth have had 16 offsides Morata's had, <laughs> Mar- Morata's had 18 that's just that's, that's atrocious it really so, is I'd like to hear your I mean your your chaps I'm sure we could get onto the discussion of the right wing position because obviously with our aging two right wingers and potential suitors and this that and the other you know we could discuss that but I we won't get a top tier striker in January you know we're not going to get cup tie the cardies yeah. or you know Lewandowski's getting on a little bit and that's not the club's um, incentive to get older strikers uh, whether you know whether we'd get just bring Batshuayi isn't playing great for Valencia so if we say look come back for six months see if you can do some poaching goals and put away some of these you know obviously loads of chances we're creating Are, you know can you be the fox in the box again like you said Jimmy can we try and implement Hazard in this false nine, the sorry false nine, not the Conte false nine. Or um, you know, or what's gonna happen or do we Giroud did look a lot better when he came on. I mean, I think he should have started that game purely because of the Arsenal Chelsea connection against Spurs. I think his would have been blood would have been boiling to to score headers like like he did at the end. Um, but, uh, you know, in terms of strikers, unless we go for like a sort of second tier Callum Wilson-esque style, Ugh. you know, but well, you know, do you know what I mean? Like, unless it's that kind of thing, then I don't think we'll go for a striker. In terms of availability and negotiations, Pulisic might, might come along, but I'll be interested to hear your no. thoughts. Well, exactly. <laughs> do you know what I mean? And, and sorry to keep, I don't want to rant for too long, chaps, but the thing is with... um. Pulisic, I mean, the, the, the main benefit, and I maintain this of Pulisic, is he's like the darling of American soccer. He's the face of American soccer. <laughs> he's, he's 20 years old, and as a financial and marketing investment, that's pretty much an absolute you know it's blockbuster you almost like you're almost like purchasing the ever-growing soccer market in america in in a 20 year old you know but he has shades of willian in terms of he's fast he carries the ball well and then he doesn't really do anything with it at the end so so i'd like to hear you know i'd like to hear both your thoughts on striker and right wing options i mean it seems like you both agreed with me in terms of a potential center back maybe from italy eventually whether that be next summer or but other other than that it does look like striker and right right wing doesn't it Uh, I think for me, well, starting off with so many things here, but uh, starting off with Morata, that he is always offside. Um, and he <laughs> has even, has he played half the minutes of, of, of this season? So that's that's even more atrocious when you take that, that into consideration. But yeah. um, I think well, he, he he's completely, he's somehow locked into into the wrong body or, or I, I don't know he wants to play on the last shoulder but isn't nowhere is nowhere near quick enough to to actually be that be that guy so he is always offside then if he mm. wants to come short in in consequence of running into offside four times uh then he gets bullied off the ball because he's nowhere near let's five say, times strong, strong enough um yeah so it's it's an absolute pain watching him and uh the amount of time he he spends on the floor is just 
<laughs> you can fill games with that time he, oh, he spent on the floor. Um, but for me, as Jimmy said it, um, Hazard through the middle, maybe uh, William on the left then because he seems to flourish on the left and, and get Pedro some games because I think the time he has played, he has been quite decent this season. And it is also, I think with Pedro, you get a lot of work rate. I mean, he's sometimes what he does on the ball, he runs around like a headless chicken. But at least he, he tries for 90 minutes and you don't get any defensive work rate from Morata. So if you have Pedro in there, it, he also contributes to the other side of the game, which can be very beneficial when you want to play pressing. And as well as that, I think you have to, to jump, jump back uh, a few minutes when we addressed um, the Jorginho role. I think he was, he was let alone a lot of times in the game, I think on three or four occasions when there were massive holes behind him because the, def the defense, um, mainly David Lewis, didn't press up. So you can't really fault um, the whole pressing game when uh, half the team commits and the other half doesn't. So um, that's, that is me jumping back to, to the defensive issues. Uh, I think we have to either play um, Christensen because I think he's suitable for that role or we have to bring in someone yeah. in, in winter. That is, for me, um, I think we can... We can somehow play around the other roles which, which have to be addressed in the transfer market. We can somehow make a solution out of the squad we have. But I think defensively we need someone. We really need someone because Lewis, with the lack of pace, um, he always tends to play five or ten yards too deep. And that, that obviously when you want to, break, to play pressing, uh, that leaves gaps. And Tottenham was the, the perfect team to exploit these gaps. Absolutely. And at the end of the day, you get the results. But um, I think we have to we have to address this this situation. Um, speaking about the right wing, as I've said, I'm happy with Pedro playing there. Uh, what I'm what I will not be happy about, absolutely not be happy about, if we make let's say a marketing choice in in our players coming in. You've mentioned Christian Pulisic. He would be exactly that 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 choice, the PR move, mm. the move to make money. I think we we are some some distance behind. Um, Marketing-wise, behind uh, Manchester United, the Arsenal's, I think also Liverpool in the in the sense of the United States, um, I think they have a bit, way bigger following than than us there. So we might want to catch up on them, and I'm I'm not happy if that happens with with a transfer of Christian Pulisic, but still, um, if we bring someone in, it's 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 always for the good. So I will will always give a new transfer a chance. Uh, he's just not the player I want, and. If we can only have one player, and I don't think it will be more, uh, at least high-caliber players in winter, it should be a defender for me. Interesting. Oof. Well, before before we actually move on to the defender, because then we can also address the whole Christensen situation, uh, which is as contemporary as it has been this season, to be honest. Um, I think that uh, the striker situation has to be addressed. It has to be addressed with care this time, really have to think about it and I mean this is another topic director football is needed because that would also contribute to for, uh, making the right choices in that department mm. but entirely other uh, topic which takes up a lot of time it's in itself um, so get a strike in next summer for now use hazard down the middle if necessary the thing is with Giroud because Yannick you said let's start Giroud next time it would have been better Every right. time we for the Spurs, sorry, sorry for, for the, the Spurs, Spurs game, right. yeah. Well, the, the thing is, every time we've said because I love Giroud from the personality, I just I love the bloke. He's a, a, one of those characters that you need in the dressing room. But every time when we said, "Oh, we don't want Morata to uh, start," we want Giroud. Then he was shy, 
oh, let's give Morata a chance again. And yeah. it's just this like, it's one time it's this, one time it's that. There's no point. I think Hazard's the solution to the problems, but then we need a new winger because Sorry's not going to give Hudson a die the minutes, let's face it. So we've only got William and Pedro, you know, both over, uh, well over 30. So we need another winger and then we can play that with Hazard through the middle. Um, theoretically, Loftus-Cheek can play on the wing, but, you know, we want oh, a real not, winger. We really want a world-class winger. And there are actually some available, so might as well do it now. Fekir, as uh, Max said the other other week, I, I'd be all up for Fekir. He can play on the wing, even though he hasn't done as often, but then he could also play at strike, and he could play as that third man in, in midfield. So he's really versatile. He is top-notch. He would be a great acquisition. Um, yeah, sorry, so, sorry, sorry, no, Jimmy. Just, just yeah. quickly, just quickly. Mm. When you're on that, I, I did a, I did a poll there on on Twitter. Excuse me. I, that know, I, I know. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, Nabil Fakir. He won. So it was it was Christian Pulisic, Leon Bailey, Torgan Hazard, or Nabil Fakir. And at over 1,100 responses. It was really interesting because it was joint first and joint second. Both mm. joint first at 31% was Fakir and Torgan. Uh, and then joint 19% was Pulisic and Leon Bailey. So uh, the majority of Chelsea fans aren't buzzed on Pulisic. They want like a, I think the Torgan Hazard is a bit more of a romance thing because, you know, brothers on the flanks. But yeah. he's, he's joint top scorer in Bundesliga this season, plays on the right wing. The, the thing is, when, when one spoke to Gladbach fans uh, the last, past two seasons, they were actually saying, yeah, yeah, well, let's sell him, you know, as long as it's for this, you know, uh, quoted sums uh that you could read up in the papers like 40 50 mil or higher mm-hmm. that they love him don't get me wrong but you know he isn't always consistent <laughs> very reminiscent of his brother and a lot of his goals in the past have been penalties he's been grand grand this season don't get me wrong but he isn't this immediate lethal winger that we need yeah that for our ambition is. And Bailey is, I love the guy. He's a Chelsea fan. I, every player that is a Chelsea fan, I'd love to have it. Same with uh, Shaw. It was always, you know, was, yeah. was even Alfie <laughs> Mawson, even though he isn't a great defender, but he's a Chelsea fan. But the yeah. point is, you know, if, if it, we need someone who is immediately good and Bailey isn't that either, Feck is. That's why I think he'd be the best solution. Same with Pepe. I know that you're a real Pepe supporter, Andy. And I would love to see him in the future but for now uh. so if we get for example feck here that would solve quite a few of those problems and we can have hazard down the middle now let's turn to this defender situation because today of course also came out or not today but uh last week that we have this option to buy or buy back nathan Aki. oh Um, god i'm actually in favour, and I would love to hear both of your opinions on this, I actually am one of those that don't think we need to buy a new defender. We've got enough options there. I think Amazon's a great defender, no matter what people say. If we want to play Luis, then play Amazon as well, because he can actually track back compared to Alonso, and he doesn't... Alonso. He's got the pace to, you know, do that. Um, and Christensen, we've got Ampadu and Christensen. I don't see the point. We have a Welsh international who's been impressing on all fronts. He's shown such a composure and maturity for his age i he he could do bits here and oh. then we can get like a a, a a really good defender in in the summer delay for example although we'll have a major competition there but you know i i think it's important to address only the real issues in january and that would be the right wing 
can I can I just pick up on a couple of things you said there? Hmm. I, uh, Matt Law, I, I listened to him on the London News Blue podcast, and he was saying he thinks he was after watching. I think he watched Chelsea train. Obviously, he reports in Chelsea. He said in terms of talent, Ampadu's the best defender at Chelsea FC. <laughs> Do you know what hmm. I mean? And he's a kid. Like he can play. He's a he's amazing awareness. He's strong for a kid. He's got passing. He can he can slide tackle immensely well. And he said this kid should be they should be playing him now and you know nurturing him. I um. I know you guys were going to talk about Christensen a little bit. Uh, the last two games I went to the bridge was the return of Frank, the Derby game, and one of the... Uh, who was it? It was Mulvidi, and that was the centre-back pairing of uh, Christensen and Cahill. And I really... I mean, whether it's like a continuity thing or not being played a lot, but I, Christensen was awful. In the Derby game, He, I was in the Matthew Harding lower, and he was so bad. I know, like, he had an excellent run last season with Conte and then sort of... um went off the boil after the Barcelona game and maybe Conte didn't do the right thing by keeping him in. But he, I know he's exceptionally talented, but he was worrying. He doesn't seem like a solution right now. But to pick up on what you said as well, Jimmy, with Emerson, he was the best defender in that back four that day uh, in the Derby game. He was making headers, clearances. He was tracking back. Um, and he certainly, like you say, he could compensate for that Louise uh, deficiency, if you will, in that sense. Uh, for me... Uh, I think the reason why I said that earlier um, that we need a new defender is because I, I, I don't think Christensen is trusted by, by Mauricio Sarri and then also Ampadu for how well he has developed for such a young age. I don't think he is someone to, to chuck in right now and put all the pressure on his shoulders because um, what we've seen how to solve defensive issues is exactly the Liverpool way. You bring in a proven defender, ideally um, proven Premier League defender, and then um, somehow the, the pressure gets relieved from the shoulders of everyone else in that, in that back four. You've seen mm -hmm. how, how atrocious they've been with Lovren and Klavan playing there. You bring in um, a quality defender in Virgil van Dijk who has also a personality, and he's, he's that strong enforcer and somehow Lovren turns out to be not even that bad. And now he's bragging about being the best defender in the world, which he isn't, but still he's, he's doing a decent job and they've only conceded, I think five goals this season or some, 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 yeah, something stupid around that. Yeah. Five, five goals. That's, that's less than half of, of what we've conceded now with 11 goals. Um, I think we need that leading role. Um, I think, we won't get a, a defender of, uh, let's say, maybe Koulibaly caliber in, 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 in winter. So we might have to play around there somewhere um, with with the things we have, um, with the players. Koulibaly's ambitious, isn't it? He'll be like a £90 million defender. I, I think um, with with Koulibaly, we, I, I think we, we should at least try because we have the Sari connection. Might be worth, he'd might be, be worth perfect. a shout. Yeah, he he would be he would be. Uh, I've for me, yeah, give Christensen a chance. I think if he gets a run of games, um, we might see a, a better Christensen than we have seen in recent games. Uh, based on that form, we have seen he's also not a starter. So, um, and with Lewis, I think he it's it's not a case of of him being uh, maybe just off the boil. I think it's this time. And I say this time because it has been the case earlier in, in his career when he came to the end of his first Chelsea stint, he wasn't up to the standard we expected him to be. Then he had his, his difficult spells last season. Then he kind of rejuvenated. 
at, at the beginning of this season. But I think for him, it's it's now time to maybe go down a level. Uh, I oh, think yeah. don't don't think he will ever be a world class defender no more. Not uh, he's on the r- wrong side of thirty. Um, we can't well, expect t- him to be. Because you made the comparison with Van Dyke, I, I agree with you, Andy. What you said that a uh, defender like Van Dyke, if he comes in, he automatically also makes the guy next to him, or he can. I'm not saying they will always be the case, but he can make the defender next to him miles better, which would be grand. Because if we have Rudiger, he's already a great defender. If he b- would be even better, then you know great for us the thing is um there is no such defender available mm. and that's why because nathan aki has been great for bournemouth but you know will he be able to be that kind of guy who makes the defense you know really fantastic I- i'm sure ram would agree with that but <laughs> I- I'm, I'm i'm a bit skeptical about that so you know, wait to the summer. I, I I think most important thing, as I said before, is to address that right wing or the attack. You know, if there is a striker, get him. But all the other positions, we've got enough depth. And uh, because you mentioned Christensen, you know, his, his uh, bad spell then last season, Yannick. The thing is, what I always think about, what, what's so crass, is that before that Barcelona game, for months he was the first name on the team sheet for about 95 yeah. percent of the chelsea fan base and we are a fan base that forgets very quickly we're very reactionary as most football fans are to be fair um but i would give him a chance because every time when he only plays in the europa league first of all he's feeling underappreciated which is something in itself mm. but you know he, he needs a run of games in the premier league he needs to come back into the team to you know, be trusted with this because Lewis has actually deservedly done enough. You know, done enough to deserve to be dropped. The thing is, Sari won't do that. That's he's not the kind of guy, and I don't think Christensen actually has a future anymore at Chelsea because oh. of Sari. I have to be quite honest because he do- doesn't seem to trust him. Uh, not- let's be completely honest because we know that Sari has been in the transfer market for a defender because otherwise we wouldn't have been in Regani because Regani actually just. Uh, a week ago confirmed that he actually, you know, he regrets not having come to Chelsea when he had the chance. So we mm. were in for him. And if Sari wouldn't have said that to our board, they wouldn't have got in. Let's, 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 let's. No, of course. Right. So, yeah, regard, regardless yeah. to what he says, how he's not interested in, in this, in this, in the transfer market, he's going to make recommendations. Exactly. Do, do you mind, do you mind if I just quickly have a quick, quick yeah, word sure. on Christensen? Yeah. So, um, you're completely right in everything you've just said there, Jimmy, in terms of uh, he was immaculate, wasn't he, last season up until he wasn't, essentially. Um, and a very again, to, to cite something Matt Law said, I heard him say, he, he was there at the game. Do you remember when we played that incredibly passive game against City and lost 1-0 and Conte that, saw it as a uh, victory? I mean, that was, it, was, it, was, it was morbid. <laughs> it was morbid. Seen. Yeah, it was morbid and depressing and disheartening and, you know, uh, levelling to watch. But... Um, a, a really important thing after that game, or so, something certainly of note, is the first thing Guardiola did at the full-time wrestle, he went over to Christensen and latched onto him for as long as he could, and he was in his ear, because he's obviously been watching him, and this was his chance to talk to him, and as, as depressing it was from how passive and apathetic we were in that game, you know, we might have defended quite well, or the centre-backs might have done, um, and he was straight in his ear, and we know he's a ball-playing defender, and he is, uh, in terms of talent, 
a, a he's a bit of a John Stones in a lot of ways, but he's a mm. you know he's a he's a ball playing centre back in Guardiola's mould of what he wants, and he was in his ear. Do you know what I mean? And that got like he a lot was, of people yeah. sweating. Um, so he's incredibly highly regarded. It's just whether he will get a chance. And well, I think this whole underappreciated thing might be a bit of his old man being his agent, which is just, you know it's fucking mm. dumb. You know that's always dumb. Um, saying like oh yeah you know we might leave and this that and the other and it's not good enough it, it's just a certain that he could be another victim of circumstance Christensen like uh, Andy was saying needs a run of games Europa League and this that and the other but like it, it's so delicate with Chelsea the revolving door policy the manager yeah. knows he's walking on eggshells like why would he invest in the in the youth why would he think about not right now because even if it goes really well i've said this before even if sari's going really well for chelsea he won't expect to be here in three years it doesn't matter if he's if it's going really well for him because the board they they know people laugh at chelsea in terms of the revolving door managerial process but it's a model that works regardless of what you say if it ends in like you know inner turmoil or this and the other it, it it's something where they love the model of a fresh manager, fresh approach, players, you know, world-class players bucking up a little bit for the new manager. And we win a trophy and life goes on. You know, I mean, I'm sure they wouldn't turn their nose up at a successful long legacy, but that's alien to them. Uh-huh. So as the, as the new manager, he, he's, he says one way or another, this isn't long-termism. And why would I invest in a, a, a player when to actually even get to that, you know, inverted commas, potentially successful three-year mark. I need to get there, and to get there, I need to win now because it's Chelsea. So, you know, it's so difficult for a manager, mm. and yeah, especially we we get in these Italian managers in that do like a 30-year-old centre-back. You know? <laughs> so, <laughs> so anyway, I've, I've said my piece on that. I think mm. Christian is incredibly talented. I agree with you wholeheartedly. Ake is a, a wonderfully talented defender as well i think it would be banter if we bought him back for 40 million it would be a bit of a joke um and uh and you're completely right something like virgil van dyke would probably be the only sort of character that really is worth splashing out because he's sort of shades of john terry because you made a very good point jimmy in terms of the person next to him immediately gets better and that's a sort of john terry-esque uh attribute isn't it well um to be fair, Andy actually initially made that point. I just oh, really sorry, Andy. Oh, you regurgitated it. it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, 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 props to you, Andy. Yeah, um, yeah I, I have to actually respond to just one thing you've said. Uh, with with the managers uh, going out the door after I think average one and a half seasons or something with us. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I think, and you're absolutely right when you say that's kind of like a recipe for success. Um, it is true, but at the same time, if you do that, you need someone who is there for the long run, who buys the players. So we need a director of sports if we want yeah, to, yeah. if we want our managers to come in and go out and be only coaches, but rather than general managers, we need someone who has the responsibility of buying players. And I think that system can work, but we need uh, we need that, that 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 man in our club, or even a woman. I think Marina is doing on the financial side a great job. So I agree. Not necessarily I, I Michael Ballack, Andy. Yeah, Michael yes. Ballack. I don't think we should we, we should take someone who does it for the for for the first time in his life, like Michael Ballack. I, I, I do understand quite a bit of of stuff he he does now, as I'm German speaking as well. 
and yeah. he doesn't he doesn't seem to be the sharpest knife in the drawer. It's a rom it's a romance yeah. appointment. It, it 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 works with Zola because it's gonna you know it's gonna have that connection. He I think he he was he was a poor manager in terms of first team manager, but he I think he could be quite a good coach. He's he's mm. so likable. He's got the Italian co- connection and translation for Sari, and the players will respect him. So I think that was an incredibly good appointment getting Zola in. But um it, yeah, like you say, Michael Ballack would just be another sort of romance signing. You, You'd want um the, the chap probably someone like the chap who uh who worked at um Monaco with Jardim, forgotten his name, but he you know they were bringing through like Mbappe, you know yeah. Lamar, um Martial early doors, you know um these kind of guys that were sort of seeing young players and bringing them through and identifying them that that sort of a uh, good footballing philosophy. Balak Balak was proper Chelsea and he was part of the never die. Mm. So you thought maybe he'd instill that, but it's not his job as a director to instill that, mm. is it? So you you're completely right in terms of I don't think it would be necessarily a good appointment. I um, think just to chuck a name in there because I think that's actually a funny debate. I I would go for Ralf Rangnick. I don't know if you're famili- oh, familiar God, with him. On. He is no, 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 no. He, he was a good manager in his Schalke days. He's now manager of of, of Leipzig, but he was right. previously a sporting director of the whole Red Bull club. So Red Bull Salzburg, Red yeah. Bull Brazil, and Red Bull uh, Leipzig, Whoa. of course. Yeah. And um, he's done a great job in yeah, kind of like building the squads and and moving well, one player from I this team to the other change, team. Though. And he he built a great let's say yeah system in there in in the Red Bull family. And Absolutely. He, and he has amazing, he has bags of experience. And I think after this season, uh, Julian Nagelsmann takes over uh, Leipzig. Yeah. So he will be without the job of moving maybe back into the sporting director role. So oh, he's coaching at the moment. He's sorry. He's, challenge. Yeah. he's yeah, coaching. He's, he's coaching oh, because, okay. because Re- they... Interim, yeah. Yeah, Ralf Hasenhüttl was the, the manager, but he didn't get an extension. And then they wanted, um, they wanted Julian Nagelsmann, but he was only... Uh, eligible to go next season or something because right. they didn't want to pay him out of his contract. So at the end of the day, he stepped in for a season, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but you have to keep in mind that Ralph Rangnick was seriously ill for quite some time. He had a burnout and he won't be going anywhere outside of Germany. He's feeling, you know, great in Germany. He's recovered and I, I can't imagine that he'd come into a... A heart attack a, of Chelsea. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't imagine. That's a hot seat. Even as director of football, there's yeah. immense constant pressure on him. That That would... Seemed like a very ill, uh, ill-advised. Emanado uh, still having nightmares. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I agree with you. The guy's fantastic. Don't get me wrong, Andy. But I, I can't imagine him coming. But he'd be a great shout. Don't get, don't get me wrong. Leipzig. Well, I, I've got. I don't have very limited. I mean, I watch a bit of Bundesliga, and obviously know about Nagelsmann because of his age and his a bit what he's done in terms of success. But Leipzig just exploded on the scene. So if he's a chap that's responsible for their sort of rocketing success, apart from like the finances, then. You know, sounds good to me, but like you say, if it's not a feasibility, then we'll have to just trust the board and the club. Everyone can can have a, a short statement on cancer because I, I think it's important to okay. a, a, to actually say something on that situation because far okay. too many people have their say on Kante and saying all the wrong things. So. With all with all due respect to to people that criticise his his performances, I think it, it has been way too far. They 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 were taking liberties more or less because he's not only a likable character, he has been I think apart from Kepa our best best performer in the game against Tottenham, and he has really? been a consistent performer this season. He's not playing in his most favoured role. One has to accept that and. 
maybe it is down to Sari to to change it or alter that a little bit. Uh, I think Sari is very stubborn when it comes to his tactics, but I think he has to to do something. But I think eventually um, Kante will come good in that role because once the pressing works and Kante is someone who wins the ball very quickly, and if he wins it not 50 yards away from the from from the opposition goal, but 30, 20 yards away, it, it will be a massive benefit to us. And I think. On the long run, we will look back at this stage of the season and think how stupid we were uh, to write off N'Golo Kante in that number eight role. Um, I'd just like to concur with you, Andy, quickly and say my my two cents on Kante. I completely agree. Mm. Um, I feel like it would be a travesty for us to lose what is one of the best... Okay, I, I don't I don't want to use this. In, he's the best defensive midfielder in the world. But he That's what he is at the moment. He's an incredibly talented footballer that can turn over possession all over the pitch what did everyone say when he was playing for Leicester even for Chelsea there was memes about he covered the whole pitch he was recovering balls all over the whole pitch the Kante you know, twins yeah, yeah the Kante <laughs> twins I mean the meme still stands so he still can be all over the pitch he's an incredibly humble man he's a great figure to represent the club I mean no one gives a shit that he's on like a ridiculous amount of money because who deserves it more than this like humble sweet talented man it's a great character to have at the club he's good for representing the club He's all, he keeps his head down. He always learns. He gives 100%. And if he has to adapt and take time in a new position, that's something that's afforded to him. So I completely agree. He does make the runs to get into the box when he can't finish, but it shows he is learning and he knows to arrive at that time. He'll learn. He'll get better because that's his nature to just work hard and give everything for the team. You're right. Turning over position higher at the pitch is important. And he's not our problem at the moment. And he, he, like you say, he's been one of our better players. As soon as a striker and the front three starts scoring goals, he'll be first on the team sheet again. Mm. Jimmy? Yeah. I, I actually think that that's what's interlinked here. Because as soon as you get uh, an attacking band, that will be lethal and pose an actual threat and can convert... The chances that they have, because you mentioned that statistic uh, a while ago of us yeah, having same actually, as City, yeah. yeah. So I think that would also uh, take a bit of the burden off of him because then he doesn't have to go as much up front. Then he can cover more for Jorginho and for the defence. He can do what he's best at, um, even though he sh- he can carry the ball up front. He's just his end product shy. So you know, I, I think solving the problem in attack will also subsequently have a positive effect on our midfield in regard to Kante. So well said. I I just really do hope that they address that and then, you know, everything will just come about on its own accord. So yeah, that that would be my two cents. I think we all agree. I think we all agree generally then contextually in the mm. Kante situation. Oh, definitely, yeah. Mm. Well, cool. on that note, I think we we'll, can come to an end now, uh, as we usually do with some plugins and shout outs. So, Yannick, where can people find you on Twitter or somewhere else if you want yeah, to find something well, else? Yeah, well, okay. Well, thank you very much for having me on, first and foremost, chaps. It's been a, it's been a great conversation. And yeah, it's, you know, you two, you two are great hosts, and this seems like a great podcast. So, I want to take the opportunity to, to thank you for having me on. Um, My pleasure. Great. And uh, yeah, so I, I, I actually host a podcast myself. It's called the Yannick on Chelsea podcast. Uh, Yannick on Chelsea. Yannick spelled Y-A-N-N-I-C-K. Available on all platforms. Um, sort of similar to this this podcast in terms of um, 
you know discussion and uh, you know exchanges and stuff and you can uh, hit me up on twitter at chelsea yannick uh, all lowercase y-a-n-n-i-c-k thank you <laughs> well thank you um jimmy <laughs> yeah I, as always do follow me please on twitter jimmy funnel cfc uh give us also a follow up we ain't got no history uh the Chelsea blog from SB Nation. Give them a five-star rating as well because it's a great <laughs> podcast. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, I was just going to come to that. So please do give us a good rating for our yeah. podcast on iTunes on all the other platforms. Give us a follow on SoundCloud. And also, as Yannick already said, do give him a follow on his very, very good podcast. It's a very much worth a listen. Do go and visit him there. And last but not least, Andy, please. Uh, yeah, uh, as for me, um, it is, as always, at Andy underscore MA10, which stands for Martin. And yeah, Jimmy said it all already. Um, yeah, give us a listen. Give us give us a good rating. Um, and yeah, follow uh, Yannick also on Twitter. And yeah, I think we can come to an end. Thanks for listening. Uh, tune in next week and we see each other on the Attacking 2 podcast. Bye bye. Up the chills. Up the chills. Yeah. <laughs>